Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to the beauty of our Catholic heritage. Our host is Father Jacob Shea, a Norbertine father of St. Michael's Abbey in Orange County, California. Father Shea has a great love for our church's heritage. The beauty of our Catholic heritage with Father Jacob Shea. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. September is the month dedicated to Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows. And this is a really beautiful devotion so that we can really think more deeply about the importance of mental prayer. So, the seven sorrows of Mary are a teaching method for us so that we can see how to do mental prayer. Just like the rosary is given to us by Our Lady in order to teach us how to do mental prayer, and also the stations of the cross are given to us by Our Lady. She's the first one who started them. They're given to us to teach us mental prayer. So too, when Our Lady gives us the meditations on her seven sorrows and promises St. Bridget of Sweden that whoever does these seven sorrows devotion will see my face at the end of their life. This is really beautiful, right? Here we see that Our Lady just wants us to learn how to do mental prayer. And so again, the process of mental prayer is recollection. We have to drop everything and offer everything up to God. We have to be there just for God. Then the second step is meditation. So here we feed our mind and heart with the truth or the mystery that we are meditating on. Then afterwards, we enter into contemplation. This is what we're doing when we're meditating on the seven sorrows. So, for example, the prophecy of St. Simeon. And here, St. Simeon tells Our Lady that a sword will pierce your heart. Here we have to see that everything is so painful to Our Lady because she knows that our Lord will be crucified. Here... The baby Jesus is in the arms of St. Simeon, and Our Lady knows that her child will die for all of us. And so, all through her life, Our Lady has this in her heart. She knows that this will happen, and she gives everything to our Lord. And of course, when you go through the seven sorrows, you first have the prophecy of St. Simeon, 
Then we have the flight to Egypt. She knows that King Herod is going to kill her son, her baby son. Then we have when our Lord is lost in the temple for three days. And this is prefiguring when Jesus is in the belly of the earth for three days. Then we have the fourth sorrow of Our Lady, Jesus carrying the cross. And here Our Lady is constantly thinking about our Lord carrying the cross for all of us. And so she imitates him and she suffers so that we can obtain grace. Then we have the crucifixion. How many times in her life, even after the crucifixion, did our Blessed Mother think about our Lord hanging on the cross and his beautiful face looking upon her? Then when he's taken down from the cross, this is the sixth dolor, or the sixth sorrow, then our Lord is placed in Our Lady's arms. Imagine that as a mother that you're holding your dead son. And that caused her such sorrow, and she would have remembered that. And then finally, Jesus is laid in the tomb. Imagine everything is finished, and the rock, the big stone, is rolled over the tomb. And here, everything is put to rest. Here we see that Our Lady suffers so much with pure love for our Lord, and of course, so much love for us, her children. And so, when we think about these things, we're feeding our minds. So notice, when we're thinking about these beautiful dolors of Our Lady, and then we just have to pray one Hail Mary. We can do more, but we can pray one Hail Mary after each sorrow. So we just meditate on the crucifixion. And then we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. So here Our Lady is teaching us recollection, because we have to stop what we're doing. We have to carve out some time to do this very short devotion. So we just do this devotion, we carve out that time, we recollect it, then we meditate on the seven dolors. And then, after that, we can contemplate. So it's not just like we're trying to get through these dolors and finish it by finishing our Hail Marys, the seven Hail Marys, one for each dolor, but afterwards we can just sit with Mary. We can sit with Our Lady and meditate on these dolors. If we do that every single day, and it doesn't even take seven minutes, this is very, very beautiful and resting for us. And we can enter into contemplation. And here, we are entering into a beautiful conversation with God through Mary. So you can say, Mary, I love you. Thank you so much for suffering so much for me and for the entire world. Thank you so much for doing all of these things for me. And so here, you have a beautiful, beautiful way to engage in mental prayer and practice it. Realize that this is really conditioning your soul, conditioning my soul, so that we can do beautiful mental prayer. Here in the month of September, we are meditating upon Our Lady's sorrows because we have on September 14th, the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And here the cross is the tree of life. It is the source of our life. It is the source of our salvation. And it gives meaning to everything that we do. Then the next day, September 15th, is Our Lady of Sorrows. And that's why September is dedicated to her beautiful sorrows. 
and they are life-giving sorrows. They teach us how to suffer with pure love and pure trust in our Lord. So, we rethink about the importance of mental prayer. Now, let us go deeper into mental prayer, and let us speak about contemplation. This is the crowning jewel of meditation, right? Meditation leads towards contemplation. So remember, recollection is first. We've got to drop everything, offer everything to Jesus. Amen. Then meditation, we're feeding our souls with truth. These are the mysteries we're thinking about. The flight to Egypt, Jesus being lost in the temple, the crucifixion. Then we enter into contemplation. Now, contemplation has two kinds. There is active contemplation, and there is passive contemplation. When we meditate on mysteries of the faith, so for example, the crucifixion or the scourging, whatever mystery of the faith you want to think about, the Holy Trinity, the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar, Eucharist, Confession, any mystery, beautiful mystery of the faith. Here, we're feeding our souls with this mystery and the truth of this mystery. That's meditation. Then, we want to rest in that mystery. Contemplation is resting in the truth. Here, we put everything at rest and we enjoy the truth. We enjoy resting in the truth. And this is really important today because so many times in this world we are always acting, 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 and we're trying to get things done. We're trying to finish this. We're trying to finish that. And we don't know how to rest. And so this happens also in prayer. We are constantly trying to say these words. We're trying to finish this rosary. We're trying to finish these stations of the cross. And we forget that the essence of the prayer is resting with pure love in the beauty of the mystery. Here, this is what active contemplation is. This is what takes practice. And so here we have to practice realizing that, okay, we can stop all the discursive reasoning. We can stop all the questions that we're asking about the mystery. We have to do that. That's meditation. But there comes a time when we have to stop that and just rest in the beauty of the mystery when we're ready after all of that discursive reasoning. So, for example, as we spoke about last time, you're thinking about the crucifix and you're thinking about Jesus' hands nailed in the cross. You're thinking about his sweat and his blood and how his face is gazing upon Mary and how she is looking at him how he is thinking about all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, and how he forgives us of those, and how he wants to make up, and how he is making up, and he does make up for all of our sins on the cross. All those things. And so our mind is beautifully working through the glories of the mystery of the cross. But then there has to come a time when we choose to just embrace the beauty of the cross, and rest there with Our Lady. Right? And all that she does is look at the face of her son on the cross, and she just gazes with pure love at her son. Here everything stops, 
and there is just a pure loving gaze. And that takes practice because our minds are so distracted. We think that we have to keep on moving in prayer. We keep on have to think of a new thing. This is a big temptation in prayer. I'm not praying if I don't think of a new thing or come up with a new exciting idea in prayer or come up with a new experience in prayer. You know, people are always trying to get new, 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 right? We don't need that all the time. Sometimes God will give us these new lights in prayer, but that is not the judge of our good prayer. Good prayer is when we rest with pure love in the mystery when we gaze upon the mystery, when we stand there with Mary at the foot of the cross and just look at how much our Lord loves us and love him back with the heart of Mary and with his own sacred heart. There is the practice of active contemplation, resting, choosing to rest in that mystery, we have to choose to rest in that mystery. And so, we must really practice this, resting at the foot of the cross with Our Lady. Now, when we do this, we only can do it for some amount of time. It's very difficult to do this for an hour straight. Try to do active contemplation an hour straight, and it's very difficult because we are very weak, and our minds get distracted, and our heart dries up out of devo- uh, from lack of devotion. And so we need a return to meditation. And so here, when distractions are just bombarding us, then we just go back to the mystery and think about all the aspects of the mystery. And we can return to the process of meditation and ask the questions, you know, what was it like for Mary to be at the foot of the cross? Try to Look for that answer. Ask Mary, and we begin to go back to the words. And here, this is how we ward off distractions as best we can. And if our heart dries up because we're just not in a good mood or whatever, it's okay. We just go back to the meditation to feed our heart and our mind and give them strength by the beauty of the mystery. Then when we're ready again, we go back to contemplation and we rest and we gaze. And so here we go through that process back and forth, back and forth until the time of our mental prayer is finished. So that's why it takes a while. I mean, we have to understand that you can't just do mental prayer in five minutes. You can't just do mental prayer in you know a very small amount of time. If you really want to do mental prayer, you've got to do... 10 minutes, even that's super short, but maybe 15 is good, you know, and definitely you want to do 30 minutes, and then if you can, make a holy hour every day. This is super important. If we look at how much screen time people spend on average on their phones, it is crazy, right? We have seven hours, the average, or eight hours, the average of screen time on their phone, and then If somebody says, I don't have an hour a day to do mental prayer. Well, we have seven hours a day that we spend on our phone. (laughs) And we must really put in that sacrifice. And mental prayer is so powerful, it will change our lives if we are faithful to it. And so, really, we should try to do 
30 minutes a day. We shouldn't be afraid of that. You know, when I tell people to do mental prayer, and here I say, okay, you can start with 15 minutes a day. You know, I feel like that's just so not enough. And, you know, they have to start somewhere. And, you know, it's very difficult for people just to regularly just sit down and pray 30 minutes. But I guess we have to work in baby steps. But still, I mean, we have to really try hard in the spiritual life. I mean, there is an aspect of the spiritual life where we really have to do violence to ourselves and just say, I'm just going to sit down in my room and do nothing for 30 minutes and just, well, not do nothing, but not do any of my work, etc. All of those things are going to put aside and I am just going to be with God no matter what. I will not leave my room. And so here, that is really very, very difficult to do. And so here in this day and age, right, we've got to keep accountable. And so you will do this with your husband. You will do this with your wife. You will do this with your friends, right? If you have really good friends, you're going to say, how was your mental prayer? Did you really do your mental prayer well? And then, of course, with a spiritual director, you can ask a priest. And what you're doing is you're really seeing if you're doing your mental prayer well. And so here, we really have to see the beauty of mental prayer and the difficulty of mental prayer. And so here, we go back to active contemplation, right? We move from active contemplation, and then here, then we have meditation. When our mind dries up and our heart dries up, then we do the meditation, then we move back into active contemplation. Remember, active contemplation is when you will, when you choose to rest at the foot of the cross with Mary, and just gaze at Jesus. Now, active contemplation, when done beautifully and well, that will yield and open up your soul to the gift of passive contemplation. Passive contemplation is not something that we can control. Active contemplation is called active because we choose to do it. We choose to rest in our Lord. Passive contemplation is not that. Passive contemplation is a pure gift from God. He gives it when he wants to. Active contemplation prepares the way for passive contemplation. And so passive contemplation is when our Lord gives us this grace to just enjoy that gaze, but in an elevated, supernatural, powerful, powerful way. And suddenly, for example, we have some signs of this passive contemplation. Your 30 minutes will seem like one minute, or your hour will seem like two minutes, because your contemplation is a gift from God. Now, that's a sign, right? Um, Here, the mysteries of passive contemplation are manifold, because here, what God is doing is that he's allowing you And he's giving you the grace in order to gaze upon his goodness and really enjoy that. And then he works in the depths of your soul. And so here you can experience many things. But remember, these are just signs. This is not the essence of contemplation. These are just the signs that you might have passive contemplation. So you can have time passed very quickly in your prayer. And you love it and you enjoy it very much. You can have an expansion of the heart where your heart is throbbing with love for God. And you can't, as it were, get enough. And you want more and you're thirsting for Him. You know, this is a sign that you have a certain consolation, 
a certain gift from God in passive contemplation with regards to love. And so here we see that the beauty of contemplation is so powerful. And God gives us these gifts so that he can keep on bringing us up back. He wants to bring us back and show us the glory and the beauty of contemplation. And so here, I really offer this to you in order to really begin this practice. And friendships are built around mental prayer. The best friends will be accountable to each other with regards to mental prayer. Couples will do mental prayer together. Mental prayer is so important for the spiritual life. It is really after the sacraments, right? After the sacraments, the reception of the sacraments, it is the essence of the spiritual life. If you want to get closer to God, you know, as people say, you know, get closer to God, right? What that means, right? We want to use the traditional vocabulary again, to have greater devotion and greater love, right? Greater charity for our Lord. Here, this is done through mental prayer. And so here, we are trying to get to passive contemplation. That is, we can't do it by ourselves, obviously. We go through active contemplation. Then we open our souls, right? We just are docile to the Holy Spirit. We wait for the Holy Spirit to give us passive contemplation. And we practice this, practice this, practice this. And then all the way until the end of our life. And so let us really give ourselves to the practice of mental prayer. In mental prayer, we really die to ourselves. We really see ourselves through the eyes of God, which is very scary because we are just a big mess. But we also see what God has done through us and what he can do through us. And so mental prayer gives us clarity of sight. If you think about it, right, the most successful people in the world, what do they do? They wake up early in the morning, and they exercise, you know, they can't exercise, you don't have to, but they exercise, and then they enter into peace and quiet. This is just psychological, you know, people are just saying this, and then they do some kind of meditation. Obviously, we don't want to do any yoga meditation, we don't want any of the pagan meditation, this is very important, right? We do Catholic meditation according to how the saints did it, but not just meditation, mental prayer, and that is active contemplation, and then waiting for God to give us passive contemplation. So here, we must really see this. If you wake up early in the morning, and then do your mental prayer for 30 minutes, an hour, we're going to shoot high, right? An hour of mental prayer every single day, your life will completely change, because God will order your life, and you will find that it gives you actually more energy, so that you will be more efficient in all the things that you do. I found this especially, usually during Lent, I wake up even earlier, in the day, and what I try to do is I would add an hour of mental prayer. And so I would do even more mental prayer, sometimes an hour and 30 minutes. And what I find is that my day is actually more energized. And so here, people don't know the beauty of mental prayer. It actually makes you more energized, more powerful spiritually, this is right. And you become more excited for the spiritual life, more loving of God and more loving of neighbor, and it just opens up your life and frees your life even more. That's the power of prayer. So, let us give ourselves to mental prayer and ask Jesus, help me to pray well. Mary, help me to pray well. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
You've been listening to The Beauty of Our Catholic Heritage with Father Jacob Shea. If this program has been a blessing to you, please encourage others to listen as well. For more information, visit spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. May God be with you this day and always. You're listening to the Spirit-Filled Radio Network. How can we encourage you? Are you happy with your weight? Did you add extra pounds during the past year? If your weight is an issue, the Heaven Sent Weight Loss Program is your answer. With Gil Yearly as your coach, and by the way, Gil has worked with our bishops, priests, and hundreds successfully over the past 10 years with Heaven Sent Weight Loss. In fact, Archbishop Gomez lost 24 pounds in 30 days on this program. It's fast, safe, cost-effective. Women lose between 15 to 25 pounds, men 20 to 30 plus in just 30 days. Blood work will decrease. Your doctor will be happy. The best thing you'll do physically is the Heaven Sent Weight Loss Program. To get started, go to spiritfilledradio.org forward slash weight loss. That's spiritfilledradio.org forward slash weight loss. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.